Do you have a teen or a tween who isn't pursuing a relationship with God? Are you uncertain as to whether or not you should force that relationship? Do you wish, like I read recently, that someone had written a follow-up parenting book entitled, What to Expect 13 Years After You're Expecting? Well, then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, hey there, Ginger. We're going to jump right in with today's listener question, and it comes from Cassie, and here's what she writes. My youngest daughter, who is 15, has a heart for God and is an overall very loving and sweet young lady, but she absolutely hates the idea of having a quiet time, and she wants nothing to do with it. We have Bible class and our homeschool daily, but I feel strongly that she needs a personal quiet time with God. I want her to desire to have one, and I know I could force it, but I don't feel that would be wise. I fear it would cause her to resent having that time with him, and that as she gets older, she would never want to have one. Can you give me your thoughts on how to encourage her to have that time alone with God? What are your thoughts on pushing her to have it? Thank you for any advice you can give me. Well, first, it could be that not all of our listeners are familiar with the term quiet time. So just to clarify, that just means spending time alone with God, reading the Bible and praying. And Cassie, before we dive into your question, I just want to say that you are a good mom because you realize that the most important thing you can do is encourage your daughter to know and love Jesus. Since she's not willing to read the Bible and pray on her own, I do think it's wise that you are incorporating Bible study into her school day. Uh, We typically started our school days with prayer and with a short devotional that incorporated scripture reading. Um, But just as you've implied in your email, group Bible reading, or Bible class as you called it, and group prayer is very different from that one-on-one time with the Lord. And it's important that Christians pursue an intimate relationship with God. 
we know that praying together is important and that there's power in that because God says in Matthew 18, verse 20, where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. But God also encouraged us to come spend time alone with him in prayer. And he even offers encouragement and warnings as far as what pleases him and what doesn't please him when it comes to praying. In Matthew 6, verses 5 through 7, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So Cassie, with you incorporating Bible and prayer time into your homeschool days, and I'm assuming she's required to attend church and probably Sunday school, she's being fed the Word of God and having uh, that prayer time as a group. But what about her alone time and her personal relationship with Jesus? Why is she not desiring that, and should you force it? Well, first, you said that she's not desiring that, so I would encourage you to look into her reasons behind that decision. I know you said your daughter has a heart for God, but does she really know Him? Does she truly know Jesus as her Lord and Savior? If you're uncertain of that, then I really encourage you to ask her about it. Don't assume that she knows Jesus just because she's being brought up in a Christian home and goes to church on Sundays. Because here's the thing. We desire to spend time with the people we love. We make an effort. We want to know them better. So we look for ways to be with them so that we can know them better. You know, I bet your daughter probably has a special friend that she enjoys being with, and I bet she can tell you a lot about the dynamics of their relationship. She can tell you specific conversations they've had, special times they've spent together, and if they've been friends for long enough, uh, she could probably tell you how they celebrated good times in life together and how they've helped each other through bad times. Ginger, I think that's really helpful to frame it that way for our children. Kids, and especially teens and tweens, are so dependent on friendships. So asking them to consider whether or not they would call God a friend could be an excellent heart-probing question. To me, one of the most shocking verses in the entire Old Testament is Exodus 33, 11, where it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Can you even imagine that? What a remarkable statement this is given all the laws and the hoops they had to jump through as the people of God. There's this guy, Moses, who is his friend. That is just remarkable to me. Mm, it sure is to think that the Holy Spirit is also our friend, mm. but that's how much he loves us. Jesus died for our sins, so we owe Him our very lives, which is what motivates us to serve Him. And I mean, really, as far as what we deserve, we should just be called His servants, if that. Mm. But Jesus says that we are more than this, just His servants. He calls us His friends. And you're right, Katie. That is truly remarkable, and it's also proof of just how much our Savior loves us. Mm -hmm. Jesus said in John 15, verses 14 and 15, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. The greatest friend any of us can have is Jesus because no one, and I mean no one, loves us more than He does. 
So Cassie, I encourage you to have a conversation with your daughter about whether or not she truly knows the Lord. Now, certainly if she is a Christian, you don't want to cause her to question her salvation, but at the same time, you don't want her to have a false sense of it either. So instead of asking her if she's certain that she knows the Lord, which could come across as accusatory and possibly put her on the defensive side of the conversation, maybe you could ask something like, sweetheart, can you tell me what your personal relationship with Jesus is like? Mm -hmm. And if she says something like, well, well, what do you mean by that? We'll just be more specific with something like, what are some of the things you love most about Jesus? In what ways is he speaking to your heart and making a difference in your life? Mm -hmm. What sort of things is he teaching you right now? I think her answers will be very telling to you and to her as to where she is spiritually. So I would encourage you to have that conversation with her. As a matter of fact, that is the single most important conversation any of us could ever have with our kids. Ginger, I'd like to horn in here because this is extremely difficult for me as a parent to know how to encourage a child in his or her faith without giving false assurance. So both my husband and I had false assurance of our salvation for many years. My eyes were opened at the age of 17, but my husband was self-deceived for nearly two decades, and it was long after we were married that his eyes were opened for the first time. Uh, God used our amazing biblical counselors to point out where Brian wasn't living in accordance with God's Word. So you can actually hear more of our story in episodes 16 and 17, but because of our testimonies and all the heartache we experienced in our marriage, I find it difficult not to be skeptical about our kids' professions of faith especially when the fruit of repentance just ebbs and flows. So I appreciate that you encourage us to approach our kids' profession of faith from an encouraging rather than a discouraging place. We really don't want to extinguish any enthusiasm they might have for the Lord, but we also don't want to encourage a lukewarm faith that just equates salvation with church attendance or you know anything other than a true change of heart. Mm, That's right, Katie. And I'd really like for us to do a whole episode on how to lead our children to Christ without giving them a false sense of salvation, because we really need to be careful about that. Giving a child a false sense of salvation is a dangerous thing. It's more than just uh, repeating a prayer after mom and dad or a Sunday school teacher. It's a genuine repentance. It's a turning away from our old selves and depending on Jesus to bring about real change in our lives. Salvation is a life-changing conversion from being a lost sinner to being a forgiven and thankful child of God. If a prayer is just repeated, but there's no evidence of a change of heart, that's concerning. Mm. The Bible says a true believer is known by the fruit they bear. So if there's no fruit, no evidence that God is working in and through our children, then that's a big red flag that they may not really know Him. If your child really knows the Lord in a personal way, then she should be able to tell you about her personal relationship with Him. Now, as far as salvation, we do need to keep in mind that there are some folks who know the exact moment when they accepted Christ. And then there are those folks who don't remember praying the prayer, as we hear it called. And just for the record, there's actually not a certain prayer. There's no specific way we have to word it. As long as we confess that we're sinners, acknowledge and accept that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that He is the only way, He's the only one who can cleanse us from sin through His death and resurrection, um, then the way we word it, it really doesn't matter. 
I personally know of many people, and it's usually ones who grew up in church and grew up with Christian parents who don't remember that exact moment, but they're certain that they've trusted Jesus and that they know Him personally because of their fellowship with Him and the way that He speaks to them through His Word and through the time they spend uh, talking with Him in prayer and the way that they see Him working in their hearts and in their lives. Again, you said your daughter has a heart for God. So it could be that she has accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but if she's not spending time reading her Bible or in prayer, then she's not growing in her personal relationship with Him. So you might encourage her by saying something like, you know, honey, pursuing a relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship you could ever pursue. It's actually the most important relationship you'll ever have, both here on earth and in eternity. So in what ways are you pursuing a closer relationship with Jesus? What efforts are you making to get to know Him better? And you might want to encourage her with verses about growing closer to God, like James 4, 8, that says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. And Jeremiah 29, 13, that says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And talk about how coming near to Him and seeking Him, that does take effort on her part. It's not just something that just happens. Ginger, your words have convicted me in my own relationship with the Lord, and I think we would all do well to ask ourselves in what ways we are pursuing a closer relationship with Jesus. How are we getting to know Him better? Do we spend more time with Him than we do other time-wasting activities? Not naming names here, Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram. Yeah, I know. know. And that convicts me, Katie, because social media isn't all bad. It can definitely be used for good, um, but it can sure be a time waster. It can be Mm -hmm. such a distraction from better things. I really have to limit my time on social media because um, it it really can be addicting. I do want to say one thing that just came to my mind. Um, You know, as teenagers today, uh, many of them spend so much time on devices, on Mm -hmm. social media. And um, I think Satan really uses those distractions to keep them from pursuing a relationship with with the Lord. He uses those distractions to keep us as their parents from pursuing a relationship with the Lord. So, you know, that could be another thing to consider as a parent. Um, You know, how much of their time is sucked into that social media or that technology drain? Yeah, absolutely. And we really need to keep a close eye on that because it it can become addictive. It's Mm -hmm. one of those things. And addictions are things that keep us from pursuing God. That's right. And so, yeah, Katie, I know you've talked about us doing a whole episode on uh, technology and kids and, right. and using it for good and recognizing it when it's not being used for good and what we can do about that, how we can encourage them to use it um, in positive ways instead of it becoming um, an enslaving addiction for our right. kids. So I'm looking forward to that. I know uh, you're working on that episode now. Yeah, I'm you? working on it, but I keep getting distracted on Facebook. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am working on it. All right, get off Facebook and finish that episode because it, it really is, it is a, it's an important message. Absolutely. And I'm really excited about us talking about that together. All right, so back to Cassie. Um, Cassie, you said that you're already requiring that Bible study uh, be a part of your daughter's homeschool day. And I think that's very wise. When mine were growing up, we had a short devotional and prayer time together before we began our school days on most school days. I can't say we always did, but for the most part, uh, I tried to make that 
a, an ongoing habit. And uh, of course, we went through seasons where, like you, I incorporated Bible study actually into their school day. It was a required subject, just like math and science and language arts. You know, that's one of the many benefits of not just being their mom, but also being their teacher. I had the authority to pick the material and the subjects that they would study. And so I took full advantage of that and uh, used every opportunity for them to learn about God's Word. Because in reality, you know, that's the most important book there is. That's right. Hey, speaking of books, Ginger, do you have any biblical resources that you used along with God's Word to instruct your kids? Yeah, I think the first one that comes to mind, I was thinking about that earlier, for Instructions in Righteousness by Pam Forster. It's a doorpost material. Um, It's basically just a a topical reference guide for biblical child training. And then my kids, of course, did lots of different age-appropriate Bible studies as part of their school day. Um, And it's just been so long, I don't remember those titles. Now, I do remember one resource that we used for many years, um, and it was called First Catechism, Mm -hmm. which was just simple questions and answers about God's Word. I still have that. I looked um, the other day, I was in a drawer, and I still have that exact same one that we used in that exact same drawer after 25 years. Uh, the pages are yellow now, and I'm sure they have more <laughs> updated versions and probably um, much more colorful, fancy stuff by now. We can put links to these in the show notes, but a few of my favorites are um, Leading Little Ones to God by Marion M. Schooland. Uh, a book called Theology by Marty Machowski. And our most recent book is The Young Peacemaker, Teaching Students to Respond to Conflict in God's Way by Corlett Sandy. That one is especially great for older kids. And the other two are really for the younger set. Um, But it helps them understand that their response to conflict is their own responsibility. That one has been immensely helpful for us. Mm, yeah, that sounds like a good one. You just have to tell a story here about Marty Machowski since oh, yeah. you mentioned one of his books. Marty has wonderful, actually award-winning uh, books for children. And I've been writing books for parents for over 20 years now, but it has always been a dream of mine to write books for children, uh, books that God would really use to resonate His truths in their little hearts. Well, finally, after dozens of attempts to write children's books and dozens of rejections from publishers over (laughs) many years, I was actually pretty terrible at writing children's books. (laughs) I finally realized that I just, uh, that's just not my thing. And so, but Marty Machowski, he took me and my co-author Al Rowland under his wing and he coached us in how to write for kids. And I'm just so thankful for him. Al, my uh, co-author, he had the creativity to come up with the plots and the storyline. And then I had the message, but we really needed help mm-hmm. on some of the rules and specifics for writing for children, because that's just a whole different ballgame from writing for parents. And uh, one thing that, that Marty told me is that he said, you, you're you a teacher, and but with kids, you can't be so preachy and teaching. Oh. You, know, you have to kind of show them with children's books. So we needed a lot of help in that area. And Marty was our help. And then once we had the manuscripts in good shape, We uh, actually did two manuscripts. We wrote one book on whining and one about lying. And so after we had those in good shape, Marty submitted those to his publisher, and they're going to be released this January. Wow, that is so exciting. I've never been so excited about a book. I've just always wanted to write for kids. And so I'm just so excited about these little books. And they're very charming, and they rhyme. and, And the illustrations, we just got samples of the illustrations last week, and they are just so beautiful. Mm. And so, but really, I said all that because I wanted to tell you about a way that God blessed me 
I was at the Teach Them Digitally convention in Mobile, Alabama, and New Growth Press, who is Marty's publisher and now also <laughs> mine and Al's publisher, um, they were at the convention selling Marty's books. And um, so we'd had a long couple of days. And after a really long convention day, my husband, Ronnie, and I got on the elevator and we were just Katie, we were just dog tired and ready. You've been to those conventions. <laughs> it's exhausting. With it. it is exhausting. It really it's, is. it's wonderful. I mean, I love them. I mm-hmm. wouldn't trade going for anything. I love every minute. But once we go get on that elevator, we're ready to crash. Yep. And so there was this little boy, and he looked like he was maybe four or five years old. And he and his mom were on the elevator with us. And the whole ride up to their floor, the little boy was holding one of Marty's books Aww. and just staring at the cover. And he had this big smile on his face. And you could just see the anticipation and the excitement he had. I mean, this little boy, he could not wait to get back to his room and read that book or to have his mom read it to him. And the thing about it is it's a book that I know is filled with gospel truths. Mm. And I just can't even begin to describe to y'all the joy that filled my heart. And when the doors opened to their floor, that little boy tucked that book under his arm and took off running to their room. And <laughs> I don't know, Katie, I just I just couldn't stop the tears. It just blessed my heart so much. It was like God kissed me on the cheek. Aww. And so I'm just so thankful to Marty and just the whole team at New Growth Press for partnering with Al and me to bring the good news of the gospel to young kids. What a privilege it is to get to work with them. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID, you know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. 
Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. Okay, so I totally went off on a, uh, a little um, trail there. So right, <laughs> back to some of the biblical resources. Uh, Katie, what are some of the other ones that you like to use with your kids? Yes, I also love learning catechisms with our kids. Um, like Ginger said, catechisms are just questions and answers that help us understand God's Word. So in our home, we use what's called New City Catechism. They even have an app for it, and we love the app because each question and answer is set to music, which Ginger and I are both huge fans of that. So our kids are learning answers to questions that could help our listeners, like Cassie, who want their children to better understand what it means to live the Christian life. So here's one of the questions. How is the Word of God to be read and heard? And the New City Catechism answer is this with diligence, preparation, and prayer so that we may accept it with faith and practice it in our lives. You know, this won't come easily for anyone, especially a child. So I think to your point, Ginger, we should pursue Bible study with our children with the same diligence we require of any other subject like math. Uh, No, we don't want to cram it down their throats, but we do need to provide the tools, the environment, and probably most difficult, the time for them to study God's God's Word. This goes for our younger kids and our teenagers as well. So if we're rushing out the door to school or soccer or taekwondo and leaving no time for pursuing God's Word together as a family, you know, that sends a message to our kids about the importance of God's word to us as well. We can't expect them to do what we ourselves fail to do. Mm, That's really good, Katie, because you're right. They learn by our example, and they see what's important to us through that example that we set. Mm -hmm. So Cassie, back to your main question. Your daughter is being fed the word of God and hopefully participating in prayer with you at home and at church. So in addition to that, Should you actually force your 15-year-old to have a quiet time? Personally, I think not. I didn't force my kids to have a personal quiet time, but I very much encouraged it. As their parents, we can require that they participate in family devotionals and family prayer time. We can assign Bible studies um, to them for their schoolwork. And of course, uh, we're going to want them to attend church with us and require that. But as far as their personal devotion and commitment to God, Really, all we can do is encourage them to spend time with Jesus and to pursue Him with all of their hearts. We know I say that's all we can do, but we can also model that for them. Mm -hmm. And we can pray that God would capture their hearts. We've probably all heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm -hmm. Well, we can lead our children to Jesus, but we can't force their personal decision to receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord and surrender their lives to Him. Their personal decision to follow Christ is just that. It's their personal decision. It's a matter that can only be settled between them and God. Mm -hmm. But there are certainly some things that we can do to encourage our kids to know and pursue God. One I just mentioned, we can model that for them. We can let our kids see us reading our Bibles and praying. And, you know, if you have your time with the Lord before they get up so they don't actually see you doing that, 
Tell them about it on an age-appropriate level. Tell them what God is teaching you personally and specifically during your alone time with God. Mm. One of the most powerful ways we keep the reality of Jesus in front of our kids is by talking about how real He is in our own lives. If talking about God to your children doesn't come naturally for you, because I know that a lot of people struggle with that, Mm. I highly recommend the book, Everyday Talk. Talking Freely and Naturally About God with Your Children. It's a great book by Jay Younts. I just can't recommend that book enough. I read mm. that book twice. It's just really, really good about bringing those conversations about God into the uh, into our homes and, and talk about them with our kids in ways that are d- doesn't seem forced at all. Mm. Add to cart. <laughs> well, that's a really important point, Ginger. I, I think it's sometimes our instinct to hide our anxiety and our fear from our kids. And to an extent, I think we should when our kids are very young. But as they get older, they have a sixth sense about stuff like this. And I think it's helpful helpful for them to see us struggle and fight to put our hope and faith in God. It doesn't come easily, and we shouldn't give our kids the impression that it is. So I think it's also appropriate to ask our children to pray for us when we're going through difficult times, get them and us in the habit of praying for and with each other. Yeah, that's good. And something else I do in our home is I often have Christian music playing. One of my closest friends, Tama, who was the first person to disciple me when I first became a Christian, always had Christian music playing in their home. It was she still does. And I have never been in their home that the presence of God wasn't the strongest presence there. Mm. I wanted my home to be that same way. So I love to have praise music playing. Worshiping and praising Jesus through song refreshes our souls and it permeates our home with peace, even when there are things happening in our lives that aren't so peaceful. Cassie, so if you're not already doing that, playing Christian music in your home might just start a fire in your daughter's heart for praising Jesus. I'm just sitting here thinking about what you said, that you've never been in their home that the presence of God wasn't the strongest presence there. Mm -hmm. In good times and bad times. That is very convicting, Ginger, Mm -hmm. to think about, you know, is the presence of God the strongest presence in my home? That's beautiful. Yep. Um, I feel like the older I get, the more I recognize the role of music in shaping my attitude. So if I'm having a really crummy day, it's remarkable what worship songs can do for me. And I've also noticed that if I allow myself to listen to depressing songs, I tend to carry that in my countenance afterward. I've even had times where I listen to particular kinds of music because I want to feel angry about something. I know that sounds crazy, but there are (laughs) all kinds of songs out there that celebrate sinful anger, and they usually involve setting fire to something that belonged to an ex. So (laughs) there are plenty of songs out there if you want to commit arson. That's the point. Just or contemplate, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or contemplate cooking up some black-eyed peas with a special ingredient. There you go. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Marianne. You know who you are. That's, that's a long story. We won't go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but God gave us music as a gift and a way to worship Him. So it does something to us when we participate in praising God mm-hmm. through song and you know, on our own and corporately with our children. Um, And as a side note, I think it would be really difficult to scold my kids if I had to scream over Chris Tomlin or someone to do it. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) I say all that, Ginger, because as you already said, the most impactful role we can have in our children's lives is to model Christ-likeness for them. We can beg, cajole, guilt, and manipulate them to do any number of things. But heart change comes from the Holy Spirit, and the best we can do as their parents, actually what we are called and commanded to do, 
is to model that for them with our words and our actions. Mm, Yeah. Also, there aren't any hard, fast rules on how we spend time in God's Word and talking to Him. In other words, it doesn't always have to be a planned out, sit down, Mm. spend a certain amount of bulk time reading the Bible and praying. Now, of course, in-depth Bible study is is definitely needed and, and ideal, but there have been seasons in my life when that wasn't an easy thing to do. Mm. And, you know, I'm wondering, uh, Cassie, if you suggested it, if your daughter might be willing to try something that I did when I had a toddler and a newborn, and it was really hard for me to find time to have that sit down uh, chunk of time to spend with the Lord. And so what I did during that time is I kept my Bible open in the kitchen. And as I passed through, which was often because it was the kitchen, I would read a verse or even a whole passage if I had time, and I would pray about it while I continued doing whatever it was I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look back and I actually loved that season of life because it it kept me in the Word more often. And that habit that I got into of talking to the Lord and having shorter conversations with Him about anything and everything just throughout the day, um, that actually became a habit that I still enjoy today. I love that idea. And I think we sometimes get hung up on having these large chunks of time to spend with the Lord, but those large chunks of time are hard to come by when we have little ones attached to us. I mean, sometimes literally attached to us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that just might be a good suggestion for your daughter to at least get her started Mm. if she's not wanting to have a certain time that she sets aside, because it would at least get her in the Word and praying on her own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, perhaps if she started with a method like this, something really simple like that, that doesn't take a lot of time, um, maybe it would ignite a spark in her to know God more. And maybe she'll start to hunger for the truths of His Word. And that's Mm -hmm. what your goal is. But you know what? I wouldn't force that either. Again, a personal relationship with Jesus is not something that can be forced. It's something that Jesus calls us to. And Cassie, I'm praying that He calls your daughter, Mm -hmm. and I know that you're praying that too. Uh, Also, she might be encouraged if she listened to the podcast that we did on When Teens Rebel. Now, I know you didn't imply in any way that she's rebelling, but she still might be encouraged with my personal story because I share a lot about the ways that God changed my life for good as a teenager once I surrendered to him and once I made it a point to spend time in his word and talking with him in prayer. So I really think that episode might be encouraging to her. So Cassie, I hope that you, as well as our listeners, have been encouraged today. And uh, before I leave you with one final word of encouragement, I just wanted to remind our listeners that I'll be in Denver, Colorado at the Rocky Mountain Homeschool Conference next week, June 17 through 19. I'm going to be leaving leading Four different sessions geared toward helping parents reach the hearts of their children. And I'm super excited um, about hosting a special Mom's Night Out event on Friday, which is going to be so much fun. And there's still time to register, so I'd love for you guys to come on out. And when I'm not speaking, I'll be at my booth, which is in the expo hall, with lots of time to chat. So I would really love to visit with you guys in person. And you can get more information about this event by going to my schedule at Ginger Hubbard. Dot com.
All right. One final thought to leave you guys with. When it comes to encouraging our children to spend time in the Word of God and to pursue a personal relationship with Jesus, I believe two of the most influential things that we can do is to pray for them and to model for them what it looks like to know Jesus personally. So talk to your children about who Jesus is and about the great things He's done in your life and tell them about the specific things He's teaching you now and the specific ways uh, that He continues to lead you and guide you and speak to you as you seek Him in your everyday life. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you please leave us a rating or a review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. If you have a parenting question, we invite you to submit it at genderhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on genderhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names to help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives.